Greg Richard here, joined today by Peter Mullen. Peter, great to see you. Thank you, Greg. Lovely to see you. It's been a while between drinks for it us. Has, it has quite a while. But today you've got a topic for us that not a lot of people talk about. Yeah, look, it's one of the my favourite areas to talk about is the gut yep. and digestion and going to the toilet. So um, very exciting show ahead. Very good. Good, good lunchtime chat. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Just got a message from Leslie and she's got an issue with, she wants to know how they manage having a shortened gut. Yeah, look, uh, look, we don't know any more details than that, but um, you know, a lot of people may have their gut shortened due to surgery. Yep. You know, if, there's, if they've had other issues, and one of the problems when you shorten the bowel is that it, it speeds up the transit time, so you tend to get like a lot of diarrhea, and everything moves through a lot quicker. Um, oftentimes, you will have to take um, one of the commercial products of, uh, around that help to slow down slow down the bowel function. But from a natural point of view, um, you want to use um, uh, so you want to slow the transit time down. So you want to use really nutrient, make sure you're eating nutrient-rich foods like slow-cooked stews and well-cooked vegetables okay, so you're yep. going to absorb the nutrients better. Um, you want to make sure you're definitely taking quality nutritional supplements because because of the fast transit time, you're not going to be able to absorb all your minerals particularly. Okay. So things like zinc, magnesium, um, slippery elm is probably one of my favorite products whenever there's gut inflammation or a shortened bowel, it may help to just slow that transit time down a little bit as well. But it's quite nutritive as well. It adds a lot of nutrition to the gut. Um, and obviously taking a probiotic as well. So making sure you're taking a really good multi, slippery on powder, a probiotic, and making sure that the food you're eating is well cooked so you get the good nutrition out of it, not you know, not a lot of raw food okay. because that might go fast, go through too quick as well. For Leslie, we're sort of surmising that that's what's happened that there's maybe been surgery but with um, a condition like that i'd probably recommend or definitely recommend seeing a naturopath and getting a more tailored plan worked out but it was a good good question good question well thank you leslie hope that's answered a a few questions for her now today peter we are talking about it's cybo yeah so cybo it's a um it's a new it's a new type of condition in some respects. It's it's what we've been treating with gut health for a long period of time. And SIBO stands for small intestinal bowel overgrowth. So between your small bowel, yep. like when we when we eat food, we chew it, goes down our esophagus, into yep. our stomach, into our duodenum, the small intestinal tract, and then we've got eighteen or twenty eight feet of it, of gut continue like from mouth to back passage yep but when the when the food moves from the small intestinal tract is where it's a liquid it eventually gets to the large bowel and between the small bowel and the large bowel there's a valve called the ileocecal valve now that valve should be one way well digested liquid food and waste should go through that valve it shouldn't nothing should come back up through that valve ideally and then once the liquid digested food moves into the large bowel that's the final stage of preparing the poo basically that's where we absorb any last water we absorb mineral salts and that's when the stool gets formed ready to be gotten gotten rid of so SIBO is often exacerbated in people that have chronic constipation particularly okay and it's where if that large bowel is constantly backed up and the bowel's not clearing properly bacteria from that large bowel can actually get through that valve and grow up into the small intestinal tract. Right, that's really painting a nice lunchtime picture. <laughs> so, with what happens? What happens then is you get all these crazy gut symptoms like bowel variability, diarrhea. Um, we were just talking about that, um, 
And like the, a lot of people with IBS may actually have this what's called SIBO, small intestinal bowel overgrowth, yeah. because the symptoms are pretty much the same. Okay. Health and wellbeing on 2NURFM 103.7 with Peter Mullen. And today we are talking about SIBO. And just a quick summary of what we've mentioned so far, Peter. So, yeah, so we're talking about SIBO, a very common condition. Um, and often a lot of the things we might try for IBS might actually make it worse. So you really need to differentiate between the two. But for a lot of people that have um, SIBO, it can be the cause of a lot of their symptoms of IBS. So, okay. yeah, it's a bit tricky to work out, but we, there's similarities but differences in treating it. Um, interestingly, SIBO is also being linked to skin conditions such as rosacea. So a lot of people, men and women, get what's called acne rosacea. Is that like butterfly Oh you yeah, that's that, a little red. like that red red butterfly sort of rash almost with a few Just pimples under your or eyes, acne. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So acne rosacea or rosacea has been attributed or linked to um, conditions like restless leg syndrome. Okay. Linked to SIBO. Um, treating SIBO has also been shown to improve certain cases of rheumatoid arthritis, and there's been some studies showing an association between SIBO and hypothyroidism or autoimmune um, thyroid conditions like Hashimoto's. All right, yeah. I'm just thinking I occasionally do have a restless leg, so I might have to get checked. <laughs> do you have one restless leg or both restless legs? Just one restless leg. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll, um, well, that, that could I be the case. So. We'll be. talk about your digestion. Or I could just need to go for a walk a bit more often. You could probably just need to get up and move around rather than sitting <laughs> down. That's probably a good idea. So symptoms associated with um, SIBO. Um, uh, so it's very similar to IBS. Okay. Um, bloating, constipation, diarrhea. Um, bowel variability, heartburn, reflux. Yep. So as much as, um, and we've had a caller come through, Sandra from Talara would like to know if reflux is part of today's topic. It's kind of not, but it is as well. Like it, a lot of people with an irritable bowel, for example, can be irritable right from the top down. People can have heartburn and reflux as well as bloating, wind, bowel variability, constipation, diarrhea. Um, we'll probably talk about reflux in the next few weeks but reflux often again is due to a valve problem not always an acid problem and um so food should go down through this valve here between the esophagus and the stomach and shouldn't come back up right but um for a lot of people if we eat too much when we have a meal if we uh, coffee um, alcohol can all weaken that valve but overeating is one of the worst pressures on that valve to weaken it and once that valve has been weakened it's easy for acid and stomach contents to come back up and give you reflux okay so my top tip for treating reflux is chew well and eat slowly and make sure you're drinking your two liters of water a day but don't drink with meals oh don't drink why is that well if you imagine like if you say eat a a steak sandwich or steak and vegetables for dinner yep and that steak's going to sit in your stomach for maybe two to four hours until it's digested enough with the stomach acid to move into the next part of the gut while it's sitting there in the early stages, particularly if you go and pour in a big drink of water on top, mm-hmm. all you've done is dilute all that stomach acid, stretch the stomach. Oh, right So it's like now become like a balloon that's full of water. And if you haven't got a good knot tied in the top of that balloon, as soon as you move or bend over, that liquid's going to come straight back up that valve and give you heartburn or reflux. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so drink, always drink any liquids 15 before or an hour. After. Hour or so after. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So is that, is that general across the board, though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have... Everyone. Everyone. We should never drink and eat at the same time, I don't believe. Oh, look, sometimes people say, what about breakfast? Well, if you're having porridge and you want to have a cup of tea afterwards, it's probably okay because it's all sort of similar. But if you've eaten something with dairy in it or meat 
or something's going to be a bit harder to digest, you don't want to go and have a big drink of water. Okay. Mm. I'll have to note that from now on. Mm. Mm. People, drink- often, people often drink and eat at the same time because they're thirsty as well. Okay. Because they're not drinking enough water during the rest of the day. All right. So... Um, so with SIBO, so lots of, lots back to SIBO. Yep. So the other thing that's really good for um, uh, reflux, rather, just back to um, Sandra's question, is slippery elm um, powder or capsules, and it's really quite easy to take. It's very bland, but that can really help put a bit of a calming raft on that reflux as well. But the trick is to try and find out what your triggers are and avoid them as well. But we will be talking about that on some shows coming up. In the future. In the future. In the not-too-distant future. Now, remedies for SIBO. Yeah, so with with SIBO, so the goal is, um, or there's a three step, there's a three three step process in treating something like SIBO. Okay. Um, so antibiotics are often prescribed by doctors to treat SIBO, because again, for some people, and first off, the one of the one of the um, um, ways we go about determining if someone does have SIBO is we can do what's called a breath test. Um, so, and. It involves eating a certain way and then drinking a solution um, of either lactose or glucose. And I generally get patients, if we really need to do a SIBO test, I actually get them to do both because it picks up different types of SIBO. Um, and then the breath's collected, and you can do this kit, at, this test at home. So all the instructions are there. You do this breath test. You send off the collected breath test back to the lab, and they can determine from that by the level of different gases whether you've actually got SIBO. Because one of the problems with having bacteria in your small intestinal tract is they digest food and they produce gas and wind um, in the small intestinal tract where they where where they shouldn't be in the first place because of what you're eating. So that's kind of how these breath tests work. Sugar and lactose um, um, will you'll produce gases when you when the bacteria eat those sugars, yep. and that's how you know someone's got an overgrowth of bacteria in that small intestinal tract. So. Um, yeah, so doctors generally will use antibiotics. Um, research has found that um, patients treat, treated with antibiotics often have a higher occurrence, high reoccurrence, um, where natural therapies and dietary changes um, can really give you a lasting improvement. So we might talk about what to do from a naturopath point of view after this next. Rightio. Just quickly with the breath test, yeah. is that just blowing into a bag? Yeah, literally, oh, literally. Okay. Right, yeah. That's what I imagine, so. Yeah, three bags, I think it is. Like you do it every 20 minutes for a period of time after you've had the um, the sugary drink. Yep. You just don't breathe it back in afterwards, though. No, no, no. you just... Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever blown a balloon up and, you know, when you blow a balloon up, yep. you blow the air in, you don't suck it back out after? No, I've never, I've never done that. <laughs> Not at all. Unless it's a helium balloon, I may have done it for a laugh. <laughs> Health and well-being on 2 and FM 103.7 with naturopath Peter Mullen. And we're talking about SIBO today. We are talking all things gut, but particularly about SIBO. All right, and we've talked about what it is, <laughs> the symptoms, but yes. how can we remedy it? Well, look, as, as a naturopath, you know, I'm always focused on treating the underlying cause of any condition. SIBO is no different. Um, it is a chronic condition, but it can be, can be cured, yep. can, be, can be treated, can be improved. Um, but it does take a bit of time and patience. And... Diet is a really important um, part of this process as well. So if you can imagine, um, you've got these, bac- these bacteria living in that lower part of the small intestinal tract that, and they shouldn't be there. Um, doctor's approach is to take antibiotics, which will knock that load down, but will also disrupt all the good, gut, okay. good bacteria that are living in your large bowel as well. So first port of call, it's not always the best way to go. 
So there's sort of three main steps. The first step is starving the bad bacteria, feeding the good bacteria. Um, basically, this is where we might look at a diet like a FODMAP diet. Okay. So FODMAPs are fermentable, large sugar-type portions in lots of different foods. So lactose is a FODMAP. Um, fructose is a FODMAP. So for people doing a SIBO diet, basically you don't want to have anything that's got any type of sugar in it or starch that can get eaten by these bacteria to create um, food for more bacteria and create gas and bloating. So even fruit's not recommended in the first couple of weeks on a SIBO Oh, so you can't even even have an apple. No, no, because apples, um, fructose, and also polyols in apples are two sugar-type molecules that these bacteria in the wrong place might digest and give you gut symptoms and encourage the growth of more bacteria. So you want to starve them. So like a FODMAP diet or... Interestingly, some people use a low histamine diet. Now, this is where it's a bit interesting because a lot of people with IBS are recommended to use fermented foods, but your fermented foods, your sauerkraut, your kombucha are all high in histamines. So often with SIBO, we'll say no fruit and no fermented foods initially until we try and get the gut, that balance of bacteria back into the large bowel or out of the small bowel at least. So yeah, so you you don't want to encourage it. Um, we use, you still want to give them something to treat the bad bacteria as well. Um, we prescribe herbal antimicrobial medicines that are much gentler on the gut, but just as effective at clearing these bad gut bugs as the antibiotics are. So we do a bit of a weed, weed program, you know, like it's not roundup, but it's kind of like our herbal equivalent. Um, and we, we use herbs that will knock out these bad bacteria, but won't disrupt the good bacteria too much. Um, and then the third step, so you've got the the bacteria on a starvation diet. You're knocking out the bad gut bugs. Um, the third step is to create your gut, your gut microbiome. So taking the right strains of high quality probiotics to increase the good bacteria or increase um, the the growth of good bacteria in your large bowel, um, while increasing your intake of bacteria friendly prebiotic foods such as garlic, asparagus, um, and again I've got bananas and apples down there but again we wouldn't do that in the early stages again because of the sugar component right so you wait for a bit later yeah okay yeah yeah but definitely getting onto a probiotic and the other thing is um with SIBO um SIBO patients can be low, low in other nutrients as well because the bacteria tend to um, hang on to all the good stuff so often you know we've got to also supplement with a good quality multivitamin make sure the zinc's right magnesium other nutrients as well so it's not just getting the gut back in balance. Okay, excellent. Mm, so it's all fixable. But um, yeah, sugar is public enemy number one and sugar even in fruit and vegetable form when you're doing a SIBO diet is really important to cut out, particularly initially. Oh, excellent. On a complete side note, Yeah. it's got to do with apples, so in yes. sugar. Yes, yes. But I only found out the other day, like I drink cider every now and then. Yes, and alcoholic got, cider. Yeah. Yeah. And I found out that's worse for you than drinking beer because it's more sugar in that than there is... In beer? Yeah. I mean, all this time I was thinking it was I was being behaving, being good, <laughs> and apparently it's like the equivalent of eating three donuts or something. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't, wouldn't have said that too. The amount of sugar in in um, cider, but yeah, yeah, I guess it's a very sweet drink. So mm. I said apparently it's high in sugar. So what are you going to do now? Swap over to beer? Oh, I just go back to beer. Yeah, <laughs> not overly fast. <laughs> well, you know, I was out somewhere the other day and they had um, gluten free beer. Right. Because there's yeast, there's wheat often used in making beer. So for yep. celiacs people where they have to be strictly gluten-free, um, yeah, they have to drink gluten-free beer. 
What a world we live in. <laughs> what a time. <laughs> you learn something new every day. Peter Mullen, thank you very much. Thank you, Greg. Uh, Mark will be back next week, so... Lovely. You'll miss me. I will miss you. I will miss you, but I'll see you again next time Mark's on holidays, probably. 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 If you play your cards right. <laughs> Peter Mullen, health and wellbeing on you and your Warrior FM. But back again next Tuesday after midday. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.